This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Man, awesome time. Awesome day to be alive. Guys, if you are a guest, again, we want to thank you, uh, welcome you uh, for being here. Um, we are, we as Church of the Harvest, we are a family of Christ followers, and we have simply realized that we are stronger together than we are individually. We have chosen to link arms and to run forward together to accomplish God's purposes in the earth. Amen? So with that, uh, we as a church, we meet in, in small groups. Our community meets in small groups throughout the week, but we love getting together on Sunday morning, don't we? How many of you love your family? So as Church of the Harvest, we are just a small expression of the body of Christ. But we love God and we love people, and because of that, we serve the world as the hands and feet of Jesus. If you're part of the Harvest family, you can say this with me. The vision of Harvest is to what? Is to make, grow, and equip followers of Jesus to fulfill their God-given purpose in life. And how do we do that? Through community, discipleship, and outreach. Guys, that is what we are all about. Before I jump on into the message for today, I did have a special announcement uh, that I wanted to make to you guys. Excited about this. Um, how many of you have, yeah, how many of you are familiar with the Dream Center of DeSoto County, their food distribution, different things? How many of you have served? Come on, hands up high. Yeah, there's a bunch. I know there is. Um, guys, incredible what they're doing. And, and many of you, most of us have only really seen what they are doing as far as their food distribution at Olive Branch High School. But they're also doing it weekly at Horn Lake High School. They also have a facility at I-55 and Goodman Road. They're giving free clothes away um, for, for families in need, especially clothes for kids for school. Um, they're doing tutoring. They're doing, they're doing all kinds of things. And um, anyway, they just recently, they launched something new out of the Dream Center. And it is called Trinity Health Center. And I, uh, Sean and I got to meet together with a number of pastors a few weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Patrick Conrad from Life Fellowship. Patrick Bartholomew Orr from Brown Missionary Baptist. And, uh, and got to hear about what they're doing. And they took us through and, and showed us the facility and such. And, and guys, I did not know that 17, that it's somewhere between 17 and 19% of DeSoto County residents don't have health care. They don't have health insurance. I didn't realize that. I didn't know that 20% of DeSoto County residents cannot afford their family's health care needs. I didn't know that 35% of DeSoto County residents can't afford regular dental care. Seems like another world. I, I never realized that. Trinity Healthcare, Trinity Health Clinic is now open at the Dream Center right near I-55 and Goodman Road. And they are right now providing extensive medical care. Um, they have been donated a lab. They can do x-rays. They can do all kinds of things there. And, uh, and they are providing health care on a sliding scale. But it boils down to this. It's mainly it's for people who don't have health insurance, and they can provide health care for as little as 25 bucks. And they've made deals with specialty doctors, and especially if, you, if you're there and you've got to see, you know, a, a doctor in a special area, they've worked out deals where, where the Dream Center's trying to help cover that and get reduced costs from those healthcare providers. Incredible deal, guys. Incredible, this service that they're offering to DeSoto County. And we decided as of this week, we are officially in a partner with the Dream Center and Trinity Healthcare. <clears throat> and... We are 
Y'all know that there's six ministries we support monthly as a church. This is the seventh, and we have never given this much to a ministry monthly before. And so it is a step of faith for us as a church. But guys, it's all possible because of your faithful giving and obedience to the Lord. And let me, let me tell you, there's nothing that can touch somebody more than going in and meeting a practical need in their life, especially something like their health. And that opens it. And let me tell you, Trinity Healthcare is not receiving government grants and stuff like that. They are not restricted. To, they're not saying, oh, you can't say the name of Jesus. No, no, nothing like that. Guys, this, this is a Christian ministry, and their goal is to point people to Jesus. And so, uh, so we are going to be, um, we are partnered with them, and uh, they are also, uh, it, the Lord has really put it on their heart to open a branch in Olive Branch because they're getting so much need from Marshall County. And so they have met with Mayor Phillips, and they have talked with us about possibly being a part of that launch of a Dream Center in Olive Branch. So guys, cool stuff ahead. Awesome opportunities for you guys to be able to reach out and to be a part of that and begin to serve, begin to donate, and different things like that in this area. So anyway, guys, I just wanted to let you know that we are partnering with that, and, and we are truly, as, as they say in the Dream Center, are, are, we're, we're going to help people to dream again. Amen? Amen? So anyway, awesome news. So again, it is Easter Sunday, and you know, first thing I thought of when I, I thought of Easter Sunday was Easter 2020. What an interesting day that was. I remember standing right here with uh, about eight people in the room, <laughs> running the live stream and the computer and the, and the sound and everything else. And, and um, how, many of you, how many of you remember that day? How many of you, it was the first time that you can remember that you were not in a church building on an Easter Sunday? <clears throat> how many of you remember the thunderstorms? It was storming that day. In 2020, I remember that we had, we blew away record live stream numbers and were able to reach a lot of folks. I remember that night, I remember, um, I remember Mr. Jack and Miss Terry, they, they did a live worship that night on, on Easter evening. They did live worship, live streamed it to our, to our Facebook page. And um, guys, I'm thankful for 2021. <laughs> 2,000 years ago, all the powers of hell tried to stop Easter Sunday, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't stop it in 2020, and they're certainly not stopping it in 2021. We're moving forward. Amen? Amen. Last year, um, some of you may remember I entitled the message, The Power of the Resurrection. And, I, you know, we know, guys... Let's, let's be real. As the church, we, we teach the resurrection every Sunday. It's what it's all about. It's the most important day in history. And so last year, y'all know I like to kind of put a twist on things and go a little different direction. We talked about Peter last year and talked about the three questions that Peter was asked and his response. And when, when Jesus first asked, who do, they, who, who do the people say that I am? What did Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? Well, shortly thereafter, Peter was asked another question. Weren't you with that guy named Jesus? Right? And Peter begins swearing and saying, no, I don't even know the man. When suddenly Jesus turns and looks at him, right? And Peter runs and weeps bitterly. And I can only imagine that moment that Peter was wondering if Jesus could ever love him again. What's the next question? Just a few weeks later, Jesus is risen. I imagine Peter's still got these doubts in his mind. Can Jesus possibly forgive me? He's out fishing in a boat and sees Jesus on the shore, right? What's he do? He jumps out of the water 
And he swims straight to Jesus. And Jesus asks him another question. Simon Peter, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he had a revelation of the resurrected king. And his life was never the same, was it? Everything changed. The original Easter was the greatest day in history. The greatest miracle that could ever happen happened 2,000 years ago on a Sunday morning. We as a church family, we believe that God did miracles then and God does miracles today. He is our way maker, our miracle worker. I was looking at Psalm 77, verse 14. It says in the Living Bible, it says, You are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. You know what I love about this verse? I love that like a lot of Old Testament scriptures, it's not referring to the past tense. It says, you are, not you were, you are the God of miracles and wonders. And you're still demonstrating your awesome power today. Guys, I would present to you, the Bible is not just a book of stories. Amen? The Bible is not just a history book. Amen? The Bible tells us that our God is alive. And he is a God that wants to do miracles in your life today. He can and he will. Job 5, 9, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. How many of you, how many of you have experienced or known somebody, heard a story, seen it, experienced a miracle of God? I mean, there's just no other way you could explain it. How many would say you would love to experience a miracle of God? You would love to see a miracle of God. Guys, I would present to you firstly the greatest miracle that God can do is to change somebody's heart. It's when somebody surrenders their life to Jesus and becomes a new creation, it is the greatest miracle in the world. But guys, you may be like me, I've seen so many miracles. Miracles like, like marriages restored. Miracles like financial breakthroughs when you're on the verge of bankruptcy. I've known, I've been there. Cars broken down, don't know what you're going to do. Seriously, it works. I know people that have been on their way somewhere, on the way home, desperate to get somewhere and run out of gas, and they just pray, and they run on empty for an hour. You think God can't do it? Come on, guys. He's the God of miracles. I've known of so many people on the brink of death and a miracle happened. Actually, it just reminded me, many times he's watching online. Many of you know our, our good friend Randall Phelps. I remember that Sunday morning being in here in service when I got a message. He'd been in the hospital, was in bad shape. He had flatlined. He was being kept alive on machines. Doctors said, cut it off. There's nothing we can do. You all know his precious wife, Laura. She said, nope, not going to do it, not doing it. Doctors leave frustrated. What happens? All of a sudden, the machines start showing vital signs again. He was gone for a while, guys. God does miracles.
And he wants to do one in your life. And he can do it today. God still does miracles. But I'll take it even further than that. I called the message today the God of resurrection. He was a God of resurrection 2,000 years ago. He's a God of resurrection today. And guys, I would tell you, he can resurrect the dead areas of your life today. He's a God of resurrection. It doesn't matter what it is in your life, what you think is dead. Guys, death is powerless next to the power of resurrection. Amen? Now, I know you expect to hear about the resurrection of Jesus on Easter, and we'll, we'll touch on that just a little bit. But I would argue this. I would argue that God has been in the resurrection business. He was in the resurrection business long before Jesus was resurrected. God was planning a resurrection all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. He was planning the resurrection of humanity. He was planning your resurrection through the resurrection of Jesus. And since we're talking about a resurrection, I want to look at a different miracle today. And so, we're going to take a shift and we're going to look at a resurrection, the resurrection of the guy named Lazarus. How'd y'all know that? Oh, it's in the notes. Those of you who want to can follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. The notes are in there. Most of you know this story. Happened about a week before Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. We know that, uh, that Lazarus dies, Right? And he's not just dead for a few minutes. He was dead for, he was in the tomb for at least four days, right? So we're going to be going basically from John chapter 11 today. So if you brought a Bible with you, you can turn to John chapter 11 and you can just follow along with us. In John chapter 11, just starting in verse 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Now look at verse 2. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who had poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. They sent a messenger to him. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he, Jesus, heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. So what do we see? What do we see here? Firstly, first thing we recognize is that Lazarus is pretty daggum sick, right? Things have got to be pretty bad. They sent a messenger to go find Jesus wherever he's off ministering in the hills. I asked how many of you would love to see a miracle. How many of you know a miracle starts with a problem, though? There's generally a problem. There's generally an issue. There's generally a need. We, we want to experience the miracle, but we don't necessarily want to experience the problem, right? But problems are where the light and the glory and the goodness of God shines the most brightly. It's like, like the scripture says, as the darkness gets darker, the light shines even brighter, right? So in verse 2, it tells us that Lazarus was the brother of Mary, the same Mary that anointed Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair. And so basically, it's just showing us relationship. We also know from further back in the story, we know the story Mary and Martha. We know Martha, uh, Mary at Jesus' feet. We know Martha busy, busy in the kitchen, right? We, we, know, we, know, we know there's relationship here, right? In verse 3, Lazarus is sick. So what do they do? Mary and Martha send a messenger. They finally find Jesus. They come to him and said, the Lord, said, Lord, the one that you love, he's really, really sick. It's bad. It's bad. And there's a couple of things in this that I'd never seen before. 
Firstly, I find very interesting is the fact that they didn't go to Jesus and say, now, now Lord, you know our brother Lazarus, you know that, that one who loves you so much, that, that one who always sits at your feet and listens so attentively to your teaching, that one who's always giving into your ministry, the one who's always been there for you, you know Lazarus, he's sick. They didn't appeal to Jesus, they didn't come to Jesus based on Lazarus' love for Jesus. They came to Jesus, they appealed to him based on Jesus' love for Lazarus. Some of y'all are seeing that, aren't you? Kind of cool. Because here's reality. When we don't see things going the way we think they ought to go, many times as Christians we start blaming ourselves. Why isn't God coming through? What did I do? What did I not do? Am I not enough? Does God love me? We, we, go into this, we go into this process and we start, we start saying these things. But giving, God, God moving in your life is not based on your performance. Now, can you do things to stop the flow of God in your life? Yeah, yeah, you, you can. But when you've done what you can do, we've been there before. And what you see isn't lining up with God's word, what God's word says. Know this, the God moving in your life, is it's not based on your performance. It's not based on how much you love him. It's based on his love for you. You see what I'm saying? So what happens next? In verse 4, when he hears this, Jesus says, these are the coolest words in the, in the passage to me. This sickness will not end in death. Those of you who know the story are like, but it did, didn't it? He said, it will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory that God's, uh, that God's son may be glorified through it. So I, I believe what he's saying here is that there's a miracle that is so much bigger than even resurrection from death to life that's about to occur. He's saying that, you know, and, and he's saying that God's going to get the glory for it. And, and we've got proof of that, guys. We're talking about it right now, Right? We're still talking about what happened in the life of Lazarus today. And so Jesus is still getting the glory for it. Anything dead can be raised to life through our God because he is a God of resurrection. So, you know, I was thinking in the last 20 years or so, I've done quite a bit of funerals. But I would say this. Many times when doing a funeral, I found that many times the people sitting in the crowd are a lot more dead than the guy whose body is laying in the casket. Seriously. In ministry, you gotta kinda get to see things. You get glimpses into people's hearts. And you see people that had all these great dreams and visions of life that God had given them. And life happened and things went by and they were disappointed and they were hurt and those dreams and those purposes and things just kind of died and fell by the wayside. At one time, some people, they felt like they had purpose and now they're not so sure. You meet couples whose marriage is broken down and almost dead and maybe just on life support or maybe relationships that are broken down in your life. Sometimes it's our emotions People fall into depression or addiction or whatever it may be. People have such death 
on the inside rather than life. So much more than the life of the person that we are celebrating that's now in heaven. I don't know what you're going through in your life today. You might be going through a situation that's very discouraging. We've all been there and done that, right? You may be standing on a promise of God, but your eyes are seeing something totally different. It may have brought you to a place that you are utterly discouraged and down. Guys, that is not the way God intended us to live. Amen? If we continue down this negative, discouraging mindset, this negative, discouraging path, guys, it will lead to a dangerous progression in our life, a place of hopelessness, a place where, how many of you have been there, to the place where all you can see in your life right now are mountains and impossibilities? You can't see past them. And really, it's a, really, it's a trap. It's the enemy leading us into a trap. And it got me thinking, um, a few years ago, I'd I'd always always wanted one of these. And a few years ago, we bought one, and it wasn't quite as impressive as I thought it was. But uh, but I'd always wanted a Venus flytrap. Any of you ever had a Venus flytrap? Dude, a plant that's a carnivore. If I'm going to own a plant, I want a carnivore plant. Seriously. One that eats meat. Let's go. You know? Put up that first picture of a Venus flytrap. I can't can't see it anymore. Venus flytrap. Uh, so if you look at that reddish pinkish part on the inside of the Venus flytrap, that, that part, um, it secretes this, this sweet nectar that attracts flies, right? And so the flies are attracted to it. They flock to it. And, uh, and they come in, they fly right on in, and they land there and start gulping up this sweet nectar. Now, the problem is you got, these little, you got these little hair things on the inside. You see those? They're really not hairs. They're triggers. Not a good trigger. As soon as they land, they hit one of them triggers, and it triggers a plant, and it slaps shut, right? Show the next, next picture. There you go. It slaps shut. And the fly is now trapped, and it'll spend the next six to seven hours fighting, trying to get out. What it's doing is hitting those triggers more and more, and that plant is just remaining locked on it. And so after six to seven hours, generally the fly dies of asphyxiation. And then it takes another five to 12 days for the Venus flytrap to digest it. After that five to 12 days, it opens back up. And the triggers are sprung and ready for the next fly, right? You can go ahead and take that down. Mmm. Yeah, I want to make sure y'all weren't eager to get out of here for lunch. I got another hour now. Guys, but how many times do we find ourselves in this situation in life? We're attracted, we're lured by something. We find ourselves in a situation. And before we know it, Trap closes in around us. How many of you have been there? I'm glad there's four of us. As you have an enemy, mankind has an enemy, whether you recognize it or not. And he has come to do nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy from you. He wants to get you into the trap. And he wants to begin that process of death. In your life. So back to the story of Lazarus. Let's look at where the trap begins. 
Guys, the enemy is always trying to spring the trap. Look at where it begins. Let's go down to verse 6, John eleven six. 6. It says, yet when he heard, Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. How many of you have been in that trap where you've prayed and you don't see the answer? Where, where is Jesus? Right? Where's he at? He did what? He stayed two more days. Didn't he have all the information he needed from the messenger? This guy that Jesus loves so much, right? He's dying. The peel has been made. Everything's come together. And what does Jesus do? He stays two more days. Does God even care, right? I'm going to give you three things real quick. Three reasons that we fall into the trap. You can follow along in your notes there. What causes us to fall into the trap? First thing I want to mention is not understanding how God works. We think God works this way that we do. What a trap. We've all probably been in a place in life where we didn't understand what was happening and we couldn't figure out where God was in that moment. Lord, where in the world are you at? I mean, like, Lord, this would be a great time to show yourself strong on my behalf. I mean, if there's a time to move, it's a great time right now. Let's go, right? Why aren't my prayers being answered? Why is God so delayed? Guys, the reality is Jesus has a very different perspective. God has a very different perspective than we we do. And he also has a divine strategy in everything that he does. How many of you have struggled through a circumstance in your life? You've wondered where God was, and now years later you look back and you go, "Uh, I guess he didn't know what he was doing. Right? What do they call that, 2020 hindsight, right? Because totally couldn't understand where God was at, and years later you look back and go, oh, he was right there working on my behalf. He knew exactly what he was doing, right? If you go down to verse 11, it says, after he said this, after Jesus said this, he went on to tell them, I believe this is the messengers, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go there to wake him up. And then his disciples replied, well, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better, right? But Jesus had been speaking of his death. But his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. The funny thing is, the disciples had been with him for three years now, guys. They knew him better than anybody did, and they didn't understand what he was talking about. I think in their heads, they were going, okay, this is what we see, and this is what I understood him to say, right? With my fleshly mind and human reasoning. Many times we fall into the trap because we don't understand how God works. And this leads us into the next step. Number two, allowing doubt to consume us. Guys, the word consume means to overtake or overwhelm. How many of you have allowed doubt to overtake and overwhelm you before? This is what happens when we allow doubt in. We begin to question What God has said. It goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, guys. The enemy comes to Eve and said, 
did God really say that if you ate of the fruit, you would die? What is he speaking? Doubt, right? He's causing her to doubt. Go down to verse 16. It's working because then Thomas called Didymus. Guys, this is doubting Thomas, okay? And let me show you. He says to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. He probably wasn't the chipper one of the group. Always the encourager. Imagine him being like Eeyore. Everything is negative. Why even try? It's not going to make a difference anyway. If he's dead, we might as well go die with him. Right? Doubt. Allowing doubt to consume us. This may be where you're at today. What you're believing for and praying for, what you're asking of God, may be completely opposite of what your eyes are seeing. And you're trying to reconcile that in your mind. The circumstances are challenging your beliefs and trying to draw you away from what you really, really know. It's trying to bring you to a place of doubt. We've all been there, but this is where more than ever we have got to stand firm. And we've got to surround ourselves by people that will help us to stand firm. We need people that will speak life into us and into our situation. Because when we, when we find ourselves in doubt, the easiest thing for us to do is surround ourselves by other people that are filled with doubt. If you're struggling with doubt in your life, surround yourself with some faith-filled, spirit-filled Christ followers who will encourage you and speak life into you and point you in the right direction. So we fall into the trap because we don't understand how God works, because we allow doubt to consume us, and thirdly, because we've given up on God. Now, I don't think most people would admit to that. They'd be like, I haven't given up on God, brother. But in reality... We've kind of settled. We've kind of come to this place, even if it's subconsciously, where we've just kind of succumbed to the circumstances. And in our hearts, we're just kind of like, this is the way things are, and I don't think it's ever going to change. This is the way I am, and I don't know that I can ever change. We get this attitude, right? You may be here, and this is your last-ditch effort of a situation or something going on in your life. You may be at the point of giving up. Understand, guys, when Jesus arrived, when he finally arrived in Bethany, Jesus had been four days dead. You may not understand this, but in Jewish custom, they believed that when somebody died, the spirit of the person hovered over the body for three days. And at the end of three days, it was gone. So four days was significant. Because as far as the Jews were concerned, done deal. This is over. Person's spirit's not even here anymore. And if you look at verse 17, it says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And then in verse 20, it says, When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. I never really looked at that before. You know, Martha runs out to meet Jesus as he's coming down the road. But Mary stays at home. 
We, I think we kind of think of it the other way around because of the story of Martha and Mary. We see Mary being at his feet. But I, I imagine Mary being at home discouraged and disappointed in Jesus, maybe. I think she saw that her brother was dead and this was a done deal. Where had Jesus been? As I don't know what the situation in your life is. I don't know what it looks like. You may have been without a job through the pandemic and your finances seem dead. Your marriage may be on the rocks and may feel like it's four days dead. Your relationships may have broken down. Maybe you've gotten a diagnosis from a doctor that seems absolutely hopeless. But we serve a God of resurrection. It's what we remember on Easter Sunday. And so my question for today, I've got a few, couple, few more points I want to mention, but my question for you today is this, and I want every person, I want you to ask yourself this. What in my life is dead or dying? We probably all have areas that are dead or dying that need a resurrection. And the first step to fixing something is recognizing it, right? So we've got to be brutally honest and open with ourselves. But know this, if you trust God, if you trust God with that situation or whatever it may be in your life, the words that Jesus spoke about Lazarus just a couple days earlier will be true for you too. This will not end in death. Those words can apply to any situation in your life that you think is dead. Think of verse 25 and 26. Jesus said... And guys, this is where the miracle begins, okay? This is it. Because death is never final. Death has no sting for the Christ follower, right? And this is where the miracle begins. In verse 25, Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Then whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Look at the question. Do you believe this? That's where the miracle begins, guys. Our God can resurrect dead things. Do you believe this? So how can we experience a resurrection? I'm going to give you three more things to close with. How can you experience a resurrection in the dead areas in your life? How do we allow Jesus to bring life to those dead areas? Firstly, number one, settle in your heart who Jesus really is. And that's what I see. The one person in the story that I see, and and I'm going to prove it to you here in a second, the one person who really held on to Jesus through this was Martha. She knew who Jesus was, and she had settled it in her heart. Go to verse 25 again. It says, Jesus says to Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? In verse 27, she said to him, Lord, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Now, let me tell you, give you a little bit more definitively, show you what she's saying there. Because the word that we translate Christ, when she says you are the Christ, means the anointed one. It means the one with power and authority over everything. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you trust me? 
You believe in me? She says, yes. You are the Messiah, the anointed one who has power and authority over all creation, over every situation and every circumstance. Lord, I believe. Even though I think she obviously wanted a different outcome. I mean, she obviously didn't want her brother to die. What I recognize in Martha is that she had within her an expectancy, not expectations that she was placing on Jesus. Does this make sense? I I think she's standing there before the Christ, the anointed one with power and authority over all creation. And she's going, I believe. What's he going to do? He's not here for a funeral, is he? See, many times we place our expectations on God. Many times the only time we talk to God is when we're expressing our expectations, right? God, I've got this problem, I need it solved this way, and I need it done by this time. Right? We've all been guilty before. But the problem is, what happens when it doesn't happen like that? When he doesn't do it our way in our time? Many times we spring the trap. We get discouraged and down and out. And we lose faith and we lose hope like it's God's fault. Our faith should not be in the outcome that we expect. Our faith should be in the one that can bring the outcome. Look at verse 21. I'm going back a couple of verses. Look at this. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Is she disappointed? Yeah, she's disappointed. Is she grieving? Yeah, she's grieving. But look at verse 22. It says, but... I know even now that God will give whatever you ask. I don't even know if she knew what she was asking for. She's saying to Jesus, I didn't want my brother to die. I believe if you had been here, he wouldn't have. But even right now in this moment, I know God will give whatever you ask. Her hope wasn't in the outcome that she had envisioned it to be. Her hope was in the one who could bring the outcome. Her expectancy was in Jesus. She had settled in her heart who Jesus was, and we have to do the same. So you want to see a resurrection? Settle in your heart who Jesus is. Number two, guys, this is massive. Stop analyzing everything. To receive a miracle, we have got to stop analyzing it. Every, I mean, any of you are like me and you can absolutely be guilty of overanalyzing everything. Trying to look at it from every angle. Well, if this, then that. No. Look at it from over here. No. If this situation, no, I can do it this way and whatever. And, and if this happens, then this. Trying to get all our little chest pawns into, play, into place. Try to figure it all out. Know every possible outcome. It will drive you batty and it'll give you a panic attack. Because you can't know all the outcomes. You certainly can't know what he's going to do. If we're going to see a miracle, if we're going to see a resurrection, we got to stop analyzing everything and we got to walk in faith. Because the Bible tells us to walk by faith, not by sight. Right? 
We cannot walk in faith if we're being led by our minds and our feelings all the time because our mind and our feelings are fickle and they lie to us. We have to rise above it and realize that our own reasoning isn't anywhere close to being in the same league as God's. Go down to verse 38. Jesus once more moved deeply, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. Martha believes that Jesus has authority over all creation. But she's struggling. <laughs> right? All right, Lord, it's, oh, it's, it's getting a little weird. He's going to be stinking bad. I imagine her mind, she's going, I imagine though in her heart, she's going, what's he about to do? Because she said, move the stone. Right? I believe that she knew that God was up to something bigger than she could understand in that moment. So we have to settle in our heart who Jesus is. And he has the power over every situation. We've got to stop analyzing everything. Everybody say, I don't have to have it all figured out. Some of you need to say that about a thousand more times to yourself. <laughs> Lastly, number three, choose to start living again. We get caught up in situations and circumstances. Continue to stand and trust and stand on God's word, but start living again. The thief has come to kill, still, and destroy. But God has come that we might have life, not just life, but life abundantly. So here's what happens next. In verse 43, Jesus calls out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off those grave clothes. Take off those clothes of death and let him go. Guys, this may be, this may be a word for some of you who have areas of your life that are dead or dying. You still have a choice. And this is something that I had never really looked at on that day. When Jesus spoke, when they rolled that stone away, who did Jesus speak to? Did he speak to death? Death, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Nope. Did he rebuke sickness? Nope. Did he rebuke the devil or a demon? He spoke to Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Guys, if that is the case, then that means that Lazarus had a choice because God never violates the will, right? Lazarus had a choice. He could very well choose to remain in that tomb and be defined by the death of his life. Or he could follow the word of the Lord and he could walk out of that tomb. And be defined by life. Amen? Guys, if you need a miracle in your life, if you need a miracle in your marriage, step out of the tomb 
and choose to be defined by life. What does that mean? You're, yes, you're going to have to take steps. Take responsibility for yourself and your own actions, not your spouse's. Get into God's word. Draw closer to him than ever, ever before. Get godly help. Join a community group. Get some counseling. Do whatever you've got to do, but start living again. Get out of the pit. You may feel dead, but God can bring a resurrection in your life. Don't live from a position of defeat. Live from a position of victory. You may be in a place in your life where you don't know why you exist. You feel like you have no purpose. I know people that get hung up on that, down and out in depression. Start living again. Come out of the tomb. Seek after God. Dig into his word. Deepen your relationship with him. Surround yourself by godly people, Christ followers. Start living. God will reveal his purposes in your life. You have a choice. You can stay in the tomb and you can be defined by death or you can step out of the tomb and you can be defined by life. Stop living a defeated existence. We are not defeated. But many people live a defeated life based on natural circumstances. Guys, we are not of this world as Christ followers. I want to kind of end with this, but any of you ever been to Death Valley before? Death Valley, um, we know, gets less than two inches of rain a year, right? It's one of the driest, deadest places on earth. But when conditions are perfect, something occurs in Death Valley. How many of you ever heard of the super bloom? Put up the first picture for me. When conditions are perfect, every once in a while... Death Valley blooms with all kinds of flowers. Go ahead and show the next one. Last time it happened was 2016. And people flock from all over to go see the super bloom. But I read uh, something that a British author by the name of Sir Kenneth Robinson, um, he was doing a TED Talk, and he said, uh, he was talking about the super bloom, and he said, what this proves is that Death Valley isn't really dead. It's dormant, because right below the surface are seeds of possibility just waiting for the right conditions. Guys, for your relationships your marriage, your finances, your health, whatever it may be, and you need a miracle, it may seem dead and hopeless. If you'll obey the word of the Lord, you'll find that right below the surface are seeds of possibility that you can't begin to imagine. And guys, these perfect conditions are manifested in your life through the person of Jesus because of his resurrection 2,000 years ago. As God has been in the resurrection business for a long time, Abram was 75 years old when God spoke to him in Haran. He probably thought life was kind of, he was on the downside, right? Settled in, comfortable life. And God showed up, said, let's do some stuff. Let's go on an adventure. I was thinking about Joseph. He lived for years and years 
probably very easily feeling like everybody was against him and he had no choice, no, no, didn't have a chance. Would have been easy to lose hope. Moses fled to the land of Midian, right? Settles down, marries, has kids, comes a shepherd, probably had settled that he would be a shepherd for the rest of his life until God lit a bush on fire, right? David committed murder and adultery and probably wondered if God could ever love him or receive him again as king of Israel. After denying Jesus, like I said, Peter probably wondered if Jesus could ever love him again. But he jumps out of the boat and swims to him. God has been in the resurrection business for a long time. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. The Bible says that when Jesus was in that grave, when he came back to life, he brought back with him the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Guys, death, it's subject to Jesus. And if you've received Jesus and bowed your heart and your life to him and he's come in, death is subject to Jesus in you. The question is, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Have you settled within yourself? As C.S. Lewis said, he's either a lunatic or a liar or he's Lord of all. Guys, there has to be perfect conditions for a super balloon, and I would present to you the conditions are perfect right now in your life for the dead areas to come to life and to bloom into brilliant colors beyond what you have ever seen before. We're believing for a resurrection of the dead places in your life. Instead of believing what you see, choose to believe in our resurrected Savior. Amen? Let's stand our feet. Let's bow our heads together. Across this place, every head bowed. Guys, Easter is about resurrection. And the best thing that could happen today would be a resurrection in your life. Jesus loves you so much that he willingly chose to come and pay the ultimate price to pay for your sin and take the judgment that you deserved, to take it upon himself, to die the death that you deserved so that you could truly live. Have you surrendered your life to Jesus? Have you surrendered your life to him? Have you made him the sacrificial lamb as described in the Bible? Have you turned from your sin? Have you, have you committed your life to him? I want you to understand something. You may not have been in church for a while. You may be watching online. I'm not asking you to join our church, okay? But I am telling you that you must be born again. You must be born again. Jude 1.13 says the people who refuse Jesus are wild waves of the, fee, of the sea foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. But 1 Peter 1.4, 1 
It says that as followers of Jesus, it says, you have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change or decay. Guys, in this life, everything boils down to life or death. And God implores you to choose life. And yes, when the moment comes that you'll, your body will take its final breath, it is absolutely a matter of heaven and hell. People say, well, I just can't believe that a loving God would send me to hell. Guys, he's not. You're going there anyway by default. He's the one that can rescue you from hell. He's there to snatch you out. It's your sin that's sending you there by default. He doesn't have to take any action. How are we born again? The Bible tells us to repent. First John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Romans 10 tells us that if we confess Jesus as master and Lord of our life and believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And the Bible says that when you do that, you become a new creation. Your life is resurrected. That's why it's called being born again. If you haven't received that resurrection. Or maybe you have. But you're examining your heart and life right now and you recognize there's an awful lot of dead areas in there. Maybe you see a lot more death than you see life inside of yourself. Guys, God came that you might receive life. He came to give us life. So I'd encourage you, we're going to pray a prayer together. I'd encourage you, rededicate your life to Jesus today. We're going to pray this together. If you mean it with all your heart, you become his. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I've tried walking this life alone. I've tried doing what I think is best. I've trusted my reasoning and intellect. But it always fails. It leaves me lost and alone. I recognize that without you, I am dead. But Jesus, you came to give me life. You came to set me free. So today, I repent of my sin. I repent of my old ways. I turn away from that and I choose to follow you. And I'm gonna walk like you and I'm gonna talk like you, and I'm gonna follow you all the days of my life. And I confess this day, from this day forward, that you are my Lord. I bow my life to you. I believe that you died for my sin. And that three days later, you conquered death, and you rose again. And because of that, I put my trust in you. Your resurrection brings me resurrection. So today I stand up full of life, full of your life, Lord. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me and empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I'll follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Guys, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that even the angels of heaven are rejoicing. It is the greatest news that we can hear that somebody has surrendered their heart to Jesus. And as we dismiss in a few minutes, we're going to have our prayer partners down here, our elders. They're, they're going to be down here. They're going to mask it up and stuff for you so you can come down and stay safe. But we want you to come down. If you gave your life to Christ or rededicated your life, come down and let somebody stand with you and agree with you and pray with you. They're, they're not going to take up your afternoon. You're only going to be able to get to your family lunch. But guys, this is important. It's real important. Guys, I, I want to talk to you, though, that are Christ followers. Hopefully all of you are now. Examine your life, guys. There's dead or dying areas in there that God wants to resurrect in your life. What is it? What are the dreams that have fallen away? What are the areas where you've been disappointed and you've lost hope? God wants to bring a resurrection. Now, it may not look the way you think it's going to look but he can restore everything and more. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.